Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your question, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I've heard some good things about AFC Wimbledon, John, but I guess we'll get to that later. How you doing? I'm doing well. Hank, as you may know, I've for many months been promising to do a podcast called The Anthropocene Reviewed, in which I review different facets of the human-centered planet. And I have made that podcast, uh, and it is available for download now wherever you get your podcasts, uh, anywhere. Jeez. Oh, and, and right now, actually, it's number nine on the iTunes charts. So even though Ooh. Anthropocene is very hard to spell, and it's kind of hard to search for the Anthropocene <laughs> reviewed, the first episode's been doing very well. It's about Canada geese, uh, which a bird species that almost went extinct about, about 90 years ago, and now... Uh, is something of, of of a pest species, I would argue. And Diet Dr. Pepper, the zero-calorie soda that I argue in, in this episode of The Anthropocene Reviewed is one of the greatest achievements in the history of the human species. I, I mean, I feel like we, we hit the sponsorships early, John. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that what has occurred? <laughs> well, I just wanted to get it out there. You know, you can go search for The Anthropocene Reviewed and listen. It's only 17 minutes long. It's not like an episode of Dear Hank and John where you got to put like an hour of your life into it. Whoa, Hank, I just looked. I just saw an email from you. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I have I have stuff going on as Whoa. well. We both have lots of things going on. I love on these. And, uh, have been really... Uh, it's been a stressful week, but one of the things that has happened is uh, I just got some book covers in, and I I sent these ones to John because I like. Do you them. like them? I like all. F- I, these it's five of them that I'm looking at There's right five. now, and I unfortunately mm-hmm. I think the bad news is that I like all five a lot. Do you like them? I like them a lot. The first the first uh, the first round I liked less, and I didn't even send to you. And this one, this ones I like a lot, especially like the middle one, the one that's right in the middle. Of the five, uh, yeah. I mean, there's two, there's sort of two different background designs. I like them both. Who's yeah. the who's the cover design? Well, I can't. I guess you can't say because you don't know if this I is person I actually going to design it. They won't tell. They won't tell me. They, the person is apparently very nervous to be working with me, so they won't tell me who the cover, who the cover designer is. Are they like nervous because they know it's going to be so bad for their career to be associated with Hank Green? <laughs> 
I think I think they're nervous because they they know that I can be fairly opinionated about design. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know actually. I might like one more than I like three, but I like all five of them. So that's good news. Yeah, one is one is a little bit too much contrast for my take my taste. I really like that we're just talking about the covers and no one can see them. Well, they'll eventually see one of the five, probably. Actually, they'll probably it's see true. some different version of one of the five with some kind of. Uh, pull quote on it. Well, Hank, I guess we've both now managed to insert some promo here in the first couple minutes of Dear Hank and John, but I'd just like to point out that you once again <laughs> failed to say the name of your freaking book, which is an absolutely remarkable thing available for pre-order now. It comes out September 25th and it's great. Thank you, John, for being my for being my promo fairy. Um, I mean, I will be your hype man all day long. Let's answer some questions from our listeners. All right. This first question comes from Jade, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I am in high school, and we just had to like a get-to-know-me assignment. The questions were mostly things like, uh, when's your birthday, and what's your future career plans? But one of the questions stumped me. The question was, what's your favorite thing on the internet right now? I don't really understand what this means. And so I was wondering, what is your favorite thing on the internet right now? There are many shades... Jade. That's a great question. Well, first, I I gotta say that like my fa- I feel like it's easier to answer the it's what's my favorite thing on the internet right now than it is to answer what's my future career. I don't know what my future. I'm 37 years old and I don't know what my future career plans are. I think I'm just gonna be a professional reviewer of Diet Dr Pepper from here on out. I think that's a, yeah. I mean, this is good plans, John. Um, yeah. I mean. I agree. I think what's your favorite thing on the internet right now is a little bit of a difficult question right now on the internet, but I do <laughs> still have lots of favorite things on the internet. You know, Hank knows what my favorite thing on the internet is right now because it's um, affecting his algorithmically generated YouTube view suggestions <laughs> because we have the same YouTube login. My favorite thing on the internet right now I can, is... Can I, can I tell the people what it is? Can I make a guess? Yes. Is it some guy playing football manager? It, it's not just some guy playing football manager. It's Dr. It's Dr. Benji FM playing football manager. And he plays as like a seventh tier team called, uh, I can't, you know, the river in London, Thames. The Thames. Thames. Yeah. The, the Thames River. <laughs> he, uh, Rosiana literally just booed from the, from the next door. <laughs> he plays as like a seventh tier uh, soccer team and he's trying to like make his way up through the league and there are all these characters involved like there's a guy who reports on uh the progress of the team called ben sports news and they're they're all played by like thinly disguised versions of him and when he's talking on the phone he's using his television remote control and he's just hilarious and also i am deeply involved in the life of this imaginary seventh tier football team so that's my favorite thing on the internet right now hank what's your favorite thing i mean i'm looking at my youtube view history right now and it would appear that my favorite thing on the internet right now is um, either animatics of podcasts, including my own podcast. Thank you to Vegetos for making those. Um, and or um, Ants Canada, which is a, a an ant YouTube channel where the guy has ants and he takes care of his ants. It's real good. Oh, is it? <laughs> is it like the Marble Olympics? Like, do you get involved in the lives of the ants as oh, characters? Yeah. yeah, no, there are di- there are a bunch of different nations of ants because he's got different oh, wow. tanks, and they they have a whole sort of like area, and and you know, it's di- it could be difficult the life of an ant keeper, and this guy is just really into it and has his own ant uh, farm business, and uh, he also separately has a very popular. Um, 
like parody music video career <laughs> uh, hmm. under the channel Mikey Bustos. So if you've ever heard of hmm. Mikey Bustos, he also has an ant channel and his ant channel is one of my just like, oh yes, this is exactly what YouTube is for. That's great. I love that there are ant channel creators out there. I love the Marble Olympics. I love Dr. Benji FM. I'm just glad that there are still so many weird and beautiful things in the world. Speaking of which, before we get off this topic, there's just one other YouTube creator I want to highlight. She just hit a million subscribers. Do you watch Elle Mills, Hank? Oh, yeah. Of course I watch Elle Mills. She's like... uh... She's she's completely taken video blogging to an, a whole new level that I didn't know she, was possible. She, she really has. She just hit a million subscribers, and she uh, she threw herself a full blown high school graduation in which she graduated from irrelevancy. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the video, she gives like the valedictorian speech as the only graduate from irrelevancy in the audience and the audience is like her sister her brother one of her friends and her mom (laughs) (laughs) well good oh my god it's magical it's just hilarious oh my god going through my youtube watch history is just a just a whole it's it's an adventure of the last weeks of my life Ah, the, 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 <laughs> the places my brain was, and then occasionally where your brain was, and me being like, why on earth were you watching this, John? It's a, very, it's a fun thing that you and I can spend some time uh, looking at what each other watches. And it also keeps me from watching things that are exceptionally embarrassing, because I know that you will notice. That's right. That's right. So Hank only occasionally watches uh, recaps of Vanderpump Rules. Our next question comes from Annie, who writes... I'm just kidding. I'm, th- that's not anything to be embarrassed about. All right. This next question comes from Annie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, my mom is insisting that I attend the senior prom. However, I have no one to go with, since all of my friends are already in well-established relationships with a significant other. Should I pretend to go to the prom and then sneak off and spend the night alone in a nearby target (laughs) or should i come up with a devious plot to break up one of the pairs of my friends annie i mean that is a false dichotomy because for one thing you can do both (laughs) you can definitely do both you could definitely both break up your friends and go spend a, a, a way too much time inside of a target uh I don't know that you want to do either of those things. I definitely had some of my most fun times uh, as a person who was not going to prom with another person. Uh, Oh, you went to prom like by yourself? Yeah, well, I didn't go by myself. I went with other people, but I was not not part of a couple. Well, I went to prom... I, I, um, my high school did not have a prom, but I did go to uh, two different high school proms with dates, but both those dates were friends, yes. not um, not girlfriends, although one of them I did kiss, and she went on to become like a professional trumpet player, but that is a different story. <laughs> What's that? Is that like making a better kiss? I'm just telling you what happened. But like, so anyway, is there, is there like a professionalism to the to the to the kiss of a trumpet player that you do not get with just a normal kiss? Because a trumpet player has developed a whole new set of of muscles and skills with regard to lip fitness. I think it was um, their first French kiss. Is my answer <laughs> to your question. <laughs> So I don't, is it, it's not going to, it wasn't, I mean, was it going to like win an Academy Award? No, but also, I mean, was I in a position to criticize? Also, no. So it was just a couple of kids doing their best. That's all I'm going to say about it. We're going to move on. I'm sorry I even brought it up. It's not relevant to your situation, Annie. Um, Yeah, I mean, either you just go without a date, which I don't think is that big of a deal, 
or you know you you purchase a date from the internet oh <laughs> you know when my my most embarrassing uh person asking to the prom was john Tell me about it. I don't. I don't know. Now I don't want to tell you because it's pretty embarrassing. Now that I, I'm thinking I mean, about the story, it, there's no way it's going to make the top two embarrassing Hank Green stories. There is no it's way. It's unlikely. Uh, it's not going to be as embarrassing as you faking a British accent for nine months, and it's not going to be as embarrassing as the thing that's more embarrassing than that that we never talk about. <laughs> so I, my friends and I went to Denny's a lot as as youth when we were in high school, and uh, and there was a Denny's waitress who was. I don't know, maybe maybe three or four years older than us, and I, I oh god, it's already very embarrassing. So I thought that she was very attractive, and she was always there. Oh no, and, uh, oh, and no. she would serve us every time, and it it got to be to the point where it felt a little <laughs> bit like this person was, in addition to being our waitress, a friend, and so I asked mm. her to prom, and she said no. She, she, she didn't think about it. She like looked me in the eyes and she was like, oh, like the last thing I am going to do is go to a high school prom with a high school guy when I'm a tw- like a 21 year old woman. That is just n- never going to happen. And uh, yeah, so I don't yeah. know why I didn't expect that. But the, the amazing thing was that what I expected was kind of all of my friends to chuckle in unison. But what inst- happened instead was they all looked at me like I was bad and had made a huge mistake, which was accurate. They were yeah, correct. Totally about accurate. That. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that is cringy. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make the top five most embarrassing <laughs> Hank Green stories to me, but it's definitely a cringer. Yeah. The the other thing, Annie, is that you have a few months to figure this out, right? So, right. you know how sometimes on the internet you'll see, like, this person asked Ryan Gosling to prom and then Ryan Gosling had a movie to promote, so he agreed to go mm. as part of his movie promotion? Mm-hmm. Like, the... It, Agents probably tricked him into it, or he was on a junket and he was in New York anyway, or whatever. Just do that. Just start asking Ryan Gosling to prom. <laughs> it's never too soon. Is there just a list of like uh, of of potential potential celebrity prom dates somewhere? Has Ryan Gosling gone to prom with a rando? <laughs> um, it looks like not. It looks like no. The good news is, though, John, that there are photographs from Ryan Gosling's prom. Is a is, holy is a crap. lie. I think that's a lie. This guy just looks like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Annie, if I've learned anything from watching a lot of '80s high school movies, it's that this is going to work itself out. It's only February. <laughs> You have so many twists and roundabouts between now and prom that everything is going to work out. I, right? Isn't prom in April usually? I could not have stored that information in my brain that long. It's just never going to have happened. It's all going to work out, Annie. Don't don't be don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, and I will say, and I will say, Annie, you are used to hanging out with couples as being friends with couples, and you will just do that again, but in nicer tr- clothes. With punch, it'll be great. It'll be fine. This next question comes from Hanin, who asks, Dear Hank and John, the other day I was sitting in biology lecture when my professor decided to stop walking and stand by a student about three rows ahead of me. My professor typically walks as she lectures. The student began eating an orange, and that's all well and good. I've seen people eat weirder items during lecture, but the problem was she was eating it as if it were an apple with the peel. Is this a thing? 
Maybe it's a new health fad. Are there areas of the world where people don't peel their oranges before eating them? Is she from an alternate universe? Please help me. My brain doesn't like this. Rage against the Hanin. That's a great name specific it sign is. off. It's Hanin. Very good. I did a little bit of research about this, Hank. Oh. Oh. Is it is it like uh is it like a genetically modified human thing where now people can eat the orange peel because they like got some cow genes or something? No, I suspect that this is more of a Coneheads thing where you can spot the aliens because Mm. they think that they're performing normal human actions, Mm. but occasionally they'll do something extremely weird. So I think what's happening, Hanin, is that you are in an alien contact situation in which you are dealing with an intelligence that is not from the planet Earth. Alternately... There is another possibility, which is that uh, the person who is eating this orange with the peel on it ended up on the same weird websites that I ended up on that insist that eating orange peel can save you from all manner of health problems, <laughs> including clearing your lungs when you have an extremely bad cold. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'm sure we've all been there. Hank, you, you know how it is. A little bit of vitamin C, one whole peel of an orange, <laughs> and you feel better almost instantaneously. Um, uh, and there are a number of other health benefits that are touted um, with orange peels. However, the the U.S. Uh, the United States Agriculture uh, part of the government—I don't know what they're called—the <laughs> USDA. Uh, Hanin, I didn't Google this extensively. The USDA uh, had a couple of concerns. One, you don't really know what's on that orange peel. A lot of times it's chemicals and maybe chemicals that you don't want to consume. And two, eating orange peel can be very difficult to digest, which can cause diarrhea. Sure. You might have some... You might have some orange peel diarrhea. Basically, I don't recommend eating orange peels. John, there has to be a way to tell the difference between a health nut who is confused about the benefits of orange peels and a space alien who doesn't understand how fruits work. And I have several suggestions. One, I have heard, though this has not been confirmed to me, that if you hold up a fork horizontally in front of one of your eyes and look through it, you will be able to tell if it's an alien that is having a hologram projected around it or if it's a human being. So just before class starts, walk around with a fork and then stare directly into this person's face holding a fork up over your eye and see yeah. what you see. That's a good idea. And that won't and then we'll get a question from that person who's like, Dear John and Hank <laughs> Every day before class. Um, and then second secondarily, just make friends. Cause ultimately, like either you're gonna make friends with somebody and you're gonna discover that they're not an alien, or you will be friends with an alien. Right. Both are great outcomes. Both are great outcomes. All right, Hank, this next question comes from Jenna, and it's one that I feel that I need answered because now I have a new apocalyptic worry. She writes, Dear John and Hank, I was wondering what would happen if all the plants just ceased to exist. Would we then die too because there would be no oxygen? Two Ataras and Kiwis, Jenna. Now, Hank, before you get into the answer, mm-hmm. I just want to point out to Jenna, because I believe that she is probably from New Zealand based on her sign-off, mm-hmm. that the plural of Tuatara is Tuatara. So it's Tuatara and Kiwis. I apologize for being pedantic. Now, Hank, would we all die if all of the plants just ceased to exist? Uh, we definitely would die if all of the plants ceased to exist, but we would die How long? of starvation way before we died of suffocation. So there's a lot of oxygen in the atmosphere, and while it is always being replenished, like the stuff that we are consuming is being regenerated, uh, it would take, 
if it were just humans on the order of like a thousand years to consume all the oxygen, so if we were able to like suck it out and store it and then put it in tanks, we could live a pretty long time. Of course, most of the oxygen on Earth is consumed by things that aren't humans, including non-biological processes like oxidation, general like fires and stuff. Um, and uh, but the like not having plants would be a bigger problem for the food web than like all the cows would die within a couple weeks. Uh, and then all the people would die within a, a few weeks of that. So they like they just wouldn't like all all food is based on based on plants, right? So if the if the plants all died, we would have a mad rush to try and make more plants uh, before we started worrying about oxygen. So mm. have a conversation with a nearby plant and say thank you very much. Please don't die. Spe- specifically, if that plant bears some kind of food, so like grass, not so much. That can all die, but like. Uh, you know, if you got a weird orange tree where the super nutritious orange peels, you want to stick around for that one and say thank you very much for the for the weird, creepy alien sustenance. <laughs> all right. I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better because I feel like probably all the plants won't die all at once. It seems very unlikely. There, uh, Many of them are quite hardy. This next question comes from Will, who asks, Dear Hank and John, Sometimes people say, My friends call me, insert nickname here. So I was wondering, is this the same thing as saying you can call me or should call me this name? Like, because you have said that, am I your friend now? Or do I just store that information in case we become friends later? Cordially wishing you, Will. I don't know. I mean, I've been in this situation before where somebody will say, my name is Frank, but people call me Johnny. And then I'll think, right. well, now I'm in a pickle. Why did you even tell me about Frank? Why is Frank even, if that, like, I don't want to know, like, what your parents named you. I want to know what to call you, Frank, Will, Johnny, whatever it was. Also, what percentage of people call you Johnny? Is it everybody? Yeah. Is it some people? Is it a name that you're like, you had to use for a while because of a witness protection thing, but now you're going back to your old name and you're trying to make a bridge? I need more information. I need to say, here's what you should say. If you're, you should say, my name is Frank, but you can call me Johnny. It's still weird. I don't know. That's, that's weird. That's extra weird because it's like, wait, is that just so you'll remember me? Or are you trying to like give me false information so that maybe in the future I won't be? I, I, oh, I, so when the private investigator says, comes to your house and says, hey, do you yeah. know a guy named Frank? You'll think, no, I don't know any Frank. I do know a guy named Johnny. Yeah. And, the, and uh, they'll be completely incognito. He's a spy is what they're, you're saying possible I, I i don't think there are any spies named frank or johnny you know i have there's a weird thing when you are maybe moving to a new place or you're going off to school or you're starting a new job you can kind of change your name like you could just be and and i've had friends who have done this and it feels kind of inauthentic to to the person i've talked to them about it i was like oh i didn't realize that, that your other friends called you timothy instead of tim and uh, and then but you introduced to your, yourself to all of us as Tim. And he's like, yeah. I, and it's always felt a little weird. And it's like, well, to us, it feels very normal. Like, you can totally do that. Right. It's a fascinating. Like, you don't. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying, like, that's a weird thing that we're capable of as humans. When we start a new thing, you could just be like, I've decided that my name's Cal. Right. Yeah. No, you can be. I. 
slightly off topic, but I always like the name Cal. It's nice. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit, Hank, of when I was in sixth grade. I went to a different middle school because I had just been bullied so yeah. much at my first middle school. And I decided uh-huh. I was going to give myself a nickname going into my new school that everyone would call me. But I also felt that I needed a nickname that seemed realistic given my level of nerdiness. So uh-huh. I, okay. I, okay. Attempted, I like it. I like where we're going. I attempted to get people in this new school <laughs> to call me shrimp. This, I mean, it's amazing how similar a story I have to this. Do you really? I do. Wow. I do. And, like, and of it course was... it completely failed. But also when you go to a new school and you say, my name's John, but people call me shrimp. It doesn't. It just it doesn't work on every level. Like it fails, it fails at doing all of the things that you want to do. What what is your story? My story. So I uh, I went off to summer camp one year, and uh, and everybody at summer camp started calling me bug, which is a very like a shrimp is basically a bug that lives in the water. Yeah, it's an ocean bug, and it's an ocean bug, and. Uh, also in lakes, though, I'll be there are freshwater shrimp. Oh my so. god, it's really is the like pedants episode of Dear <laughs> Hank and John. <laughs> so I, I I just and I came back from summer camp and then I was going back to school and I was like I would like everyone to keep calling me Bug because I thought it was fun and it was cute and I liked it and like it felt very supportive and like a normal thing to be called Bug. And so I started to like to sort of seed the the water with bug and tell people that like they could call me and then immediately it became like a like a like a term of abuse like they people called me bug as a thing to call me to be mean to me and i could tell the difference and it was no longer a nickname it was like a bully name and it's amazing it was like the same name but the context it was in and the way that people were using it it was like oh great now i have created a great way for people to make me feel bad about myself with this word instead of feel good about myself. It was very interesting how that one word could mean different things to me in different contexts. And I immediately regretted it and it was bad. So much of Um, life is contextual and so much of language is contextual. But I just want to be absolutely clear about something, which is that no one agreed to call me shrimp ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like I couldn't even get that to catch on. Maybe that's better. Yeah, maybe. But what you got to say, if you want somebody to call you a nickname, you got to, because we have a guy in our office named Tuna his name is not actually Tuna, but he it was like, hello, I'm Tuna. Right. You don't say, hello, I'm Joe, and my and people call me Tuna. You just say, I am Tuna. Right. My name is Tuna. What's your name? Yeah. Speaking of which, Hank, we have another question. This one comes from Sam and Michael, who ask, Dear John and Hank, my girlfriend and I live in a downtown apartment, and our Wi-Fi name is NerdFighter-related, and so is our password. We recently discovered that there's a person who's been using our Wi-Fi. What do we do? Should we assume that because they must be a fellow nerd fighter that they're a good person and we shouldn't kick them off? No. Nope. It's the problem. I've, I've identified several problems. I, maybe we should go around our building looking for people with Android phones who watch Vlogbrothers hoping to make a new friend. No, again. Dubious advice is appreciated. Not managing an internet cafe, Sam and Michael. Oh, guys. First of all, I think that may be the first time we've ever gotten a question from two people in two years of doing this podcast. I think we've gotten a couple before, but you're right. It's it's a rarity. I, uh, I, but secondly, you no, like don't steal other people's Wi-Fi. And also, this was not 
a, this was not like a, like I happened into it. It's not like, oh, this person's Wi-Fi is Nerdfighter 2007. I'll click on that and oh, I'm just in. No, they had to guess your password. They had to like go in and brute force hack your Wi-Fi. Right. There are two situations here. One is that the name of your Wi-Fi is the password is DFTBA and then the password is DFTBA. Yeah. The other situation, Sam and Michael, is bad. <laughs> just like it's bad. Yeah. And that I mean it's also possible that they aren't even nerd fighters and they just hacked your Wi-Fi. Yeah. I think that you need to be taking this slightly more seriously than you're taking it. <laughs> At least based on what I can find out about Hank just from knowing what YouTube videos he watches. I'm not sure that you want somebody who's really good at hacking Wi-Fi passwords with access to your Wi-Fi. So if I were you, I would change the uh, Wi-Fi password and the network name. And what we're going to do for you now, Sam and Michael, is we are going to give you both a new network name oh. and a new password so that if this person really is a nerd fighter, then then if they reaccess it, maybe then you can talk to them. Hank, what is um, the ne- name of Sam and Michael's new wireless network? Uh, an absolutely remarkable thing. That's a great. That's great, Hank. And the password is available for pre-order now. <laughs> Nine two five. <laughs> 2018 2018 that's a great finish Hank I don't know why that took me so long that is the password and if they can brute force hack that password then you need to panic you need to move just get out well or, or, <laughs> or you change the password to come meet me in apartment no that sounds that sounds bad that's very come bad. meet me in apartment 212 <laughs> this next that's question what... we've got another question that we're gonna do before our sponsors and, and, uh, and maybe some, uh, some some updates and corrections. This comes from Sarah, who asks, Dear Hank and John, how does Legolas never run out of arrows? Does he swiftly <laughs> retrieve them from those he has pierced? Do they spontaneously regenerate in his elvish knapsack? I can't seem to wrap my head around it. Uh, or I also can't seem to wrap my head around the phrase. I can't wrap my head around something. Anywho, just wondering, try me tops, Sarah. Triceratops. Uh, wow. It took me a little while to get that, that one. That's there it is. Excellent. Um, first of all, John, let's hit the wrap your head around something because never do I even want to like have the visualization of like my head becoming made of Play-Doh and it, it, it like sort of uh, like wrapping around and like, like a, a bacteria wrapping around information and then digesting it inside with my with my cytoplasm. I don't like it. Yeah, I was thinking of it as a white blood cell eating a virus. But you're right. Yeah. It's better to think of it as a bacterial cell eating flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's way better. It's much better. Everybody everybody likes everybody likes the word flesh, John. It does John. seem no like one, it does No one turns off the podcast as soon as we say the word flesh. Oh, you saying it sounds gross. It does seem like <laughs> the phrase wrap my head around something is a phrase that was created by a non-human sentient species. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, that's how it works. Right. Correct. Right, right, right. Like that's how I an can, artificial intelligence. I cannot intelligence... wrap my head around that. Correct, fellow human. 
All right, and then they eat the orange with the peel still on it. It does seem like that's how artificial intelligence learns, by, like, surrounding a fact rather than learning it. <laughs> but to your yeah. larger question, Sarah, I have no effing idea. Uh, I mean, now I want to watch, but there's definitely moments where I feel like, uh, I mean, in the books, there's definitely moments where Legolas runs out of arrows and he talks about needing to get more arrows. Um, or like he goes and collects them. I think during the Battle of Helm's Deep, he like goes and he's like, I have to go find more arrows. But in the movie, he def definitely starts to use knives. He starts to cut people oh, instead of arrow people. Oh, so he people. runs out. He does so maybe, run out of knives. Maybe when he does run out of yeah. arrows. Yeah. So maybe the knives come out when he's run out of arrows. I don't know. Maybe he's just like he's still got arrows, but he's also knifing. And why not? Maybe he's just got too close to stab people with arrows, which he occasionally does, where he's like, and I, I was gonna shoot you, but you're too close. So pow, dap 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 dap. All right. Um, so there, there yeah. we've got our answer. So today's podcast so, is brought yeah. to you by Lego Losses Knives. Lego Losses Knives. Back up. Back up. This podcast is also brought to you by the kiss of a trumpeter. <laughs> Just doing their best. Uh, and today's podcast is also brought to you by the U.S. agriculture part of the government. The U.S. agriculture part <laughs> of the government serving <laughs> Americans and their agricultural needs since 1789. <laughs> And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Freshwater Shrimp. Freshwater Shrimp. They're around, man. Don't just rate them off. Uh, they, pair, they pair very well with Tuatara. We also have a real sponsor today, Hank. Oh, do we? It's the Anthropocene Reviewed, available oh, now on iTunes. <laughs> We've got a number of uh, new things new things happening right now. Um, you know, we've got the book. We've got the Anthropocene Reviewed. We've also, Mental Floss just started up Scatterbrained uh, on the Mental Floss channel. Yeah, I'm really excited about is, that. It's hosted yeah. by six or seven different people. Uh, a really oh, wow. wonderful group of people. I, I don't just say that because I am part of them. And every <laughs> episode, we tackle a different big topic in lots of different ways. So the first episode is about the mm. Winter Olympics, and we take a lot of different approaches to learning about the Winter Olympics. It's a lot of fun. You can find out more at youtube.com slash mentalflossvideo. Uh, we also have a eons which is our project with pbs digital that we've loved working on if you're interested in history before history the history of the ancient world and what life looked like before we were around check out eons it's uh really wonderful seth who works on that in our office just does an amazing job with it yeah i love it i'm also co i'm co-hosting that one with a couple of my friends and um it's really every time we do it, I am just fascinated and learn so much whenever I get a script. And the most recent episode is uh, called Untangling the Devil's Corkscrew, which is a hundred year mystery of of these very peculiar uh paleontological discoveries that no one understood until finally someone figured it out. And I'm not going to tell you the answer, John. Oh, wow. You're going to have to watch the video at youtube.com slash eons. Wow. You also can't find out how many stars I gave Canada geese unless you go listen to the Anthropocene Reviewed. <laughs> I know, but I won't tell. This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you 
have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. All right, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, we do have some corrections to get to, as well as an update. I need to give one of these updates, Hank. It's about Benjamin Harrison. Okay, Hank, Benjamin Harrison, the, the, the president? Uh, he was the president of the United States, and I now I understand him to have obviously and inarguably been America's most important president, and I want to apologize <laughs> to all of the Benjamin Harrison fans out there, especially those who know me in real life, because I live very close to the Benjamin Harrison home and... Benjamin Harrison's last and final resting place, and I want to apologize to everyone on Earth and all the all the Benjamin Harrison fans out there. I made a big mistake not correcting Hank when he said that Benjamin Harrison was the least famous U.S. president. Also, <laughs> Liam uh, passed along to us a Sporkle quiz on U.S. presidents that gives us scientific evidence that Benjamin Harrison is not the least well-known of the U.S. presidents. The least well-known of the U.S. presidents is, wait for it. I do not believe it. I do not believe it. Benjamin Harrison is 30th. He's not even in the bottom 10. Yeah. The least famous. It's Rutherford B. Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes, who, by the way, I also have a connection to. He and I both attended Kenyon College, although I believe he did not graduate. (laughs) <laughs> well, he had other stuff to do. Yeah. It was the 1870s. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it was before that because he was president in the 1870s, unless he went right out of school. Very and unlikely. just got elected. Very unlikely. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've heard of Rutherford B. Hayes. It's just like Rutherford B. Hayes and uh, Millard Fillmore. Those names like stick in the brain because they're weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only but thing anyway, I, we'll put this list up on the Patreon so everybody can see, and you can see that whether you're a patron or not, you can see uh, who the who the uh, the presidents that stick in people's brains most are, and that uh, Benjamin Harrison is indeed doing just fine. Really, an incredibly successful president. So again, I am sorry to all of the Benjamin Harrison fanatics out there. I was wrong, and I this is my third apology. I, I think it's going to be the last one, but if necessary, <laughs> I will apologize again. Just keep hitting us with more reasons why Benjamin Harrison should be the official president of Dear Hank and John. Uh, We also got a letter from Miriam who gives us an extremely detailed breakdown of all of the different kinds of Girl Scout cookies and how it works. And boy, I tell you what, we not only are like Thin Mints different, but some of them are just straight up like not the same 
Uh, so yeah, there's there, it, it is a it is a whole a whole world of variety out there for people who move from one part of the country to the next and say, "Where's my favorite Girl Scout cookie? You just don't have it." Um, this person actually looks. This this person actually works at a Little Brown Baker Council, but there is a council right next to us that is an ABC bakery. So. There you have it. And lastly, I just want to apologize to all of the people out there who were deeply offended by my saying that Joey was not an important member of the Friends cast. I am sorry that you did not get my joke. (laughs) (laughs) Hank, you will recall that just a few short weeks ago, AFC Wimbledon was languishing in the relegation zone and things were looking very dark indeed. But that, Hank, Mm -hmm. that was before the arrival of the great Joe Piggott, who joined AFC Wimbledon uh, here in the January transfer window from fifth-tier Maidstone United. I call him the Maidstonian Messi. He scored in his debut against Blackpool on January 20th. He scored a goal with his second touch of the ball as an AFC Wimbledon player. He scored in his very first game. And then AFC Wimbledon went to Bradford City away who are currently fifth in the League One table. And we didn't just win, Hank. We scored four goals. Whoa. Did P- but Pickett didn't score any of those goals, right? No, no, not only did Pickett not score any of those goals, he didn't even play until the 75th minute. But the important thing oh. is that since <clears throat> Joe Pickett has arrived, we've scored six goals and given up none. And we... Wow. Hank, AFC four Wimbledon... Zero? AFC Wimbledon has not given up a goal... In 2018, in a League One game, we did give up three goals to Tottenham in the FA Cup, but that's Tottenham. Sure, sure. Uh, We have not given up a single goal in all of 2018. In fact, we already know now that we will not have given up a goal in all of January. It's amazing. So shout out to the defenders. Shout out to George Long, our goalkeeper who's on loan, who's doing a fantastic job. Suddenly, Wimbledon find themselves. I mean, Hank... There's hardly any oxygen up here because we are in 16th place. See, we're so high up the table, it's, there's less oxygen. It was a little bit. I, I got there eventually. I know. It wasn't my best work. We're in six, You're basically on Mars. We're basically on Mars. We're in 16th place, and not that it matters, but if you have a look at the current uh, relegation zone, Hank, you will see that the franchise currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes is in 21st. All right. The Dons are going up uh, and the franchise is going down. What's the news from Mars? The news from Mars, John. Uh, the Curiosity rover has spent an awful long time, uh, five years now on Mars driving around. And, and during that time, it's been driving from the, the base of this lake bed up a uh, an incline um, onto the side of, a, of Mount Sharp, this mountain. And now that it has gotten some height, it actually has turned around where it's turned its camera around, and it's taken a picture of where it came from, the, this ancient lake bed where um, uh, where there was once water that we now, thanks to the Curiosity rover, know without a doubt there was long-standing liquid water there. And it's beautiful, and I love it. Every time the Curiosity team decides to take a really high-res, large uh, photo, especially panoramic photos, so uh, we're going to put uh, both a video that uh, gives you sort of a panoramic view of what Curiosity Rover is seeing, but also uh, some of the still images on the Patreon. Everybody can see whether or not you're a patron. And, I mean, whenever I get a, a picture like this of the surface of Mars, it... it 
like makes it so clear that this alien world is out there in a way that I don't like like I don't imagine when I'm just thinking about the science of Mars, but especially now that we have such high quality cameras on Mars on the Curiosity rover, it's able to take basically the exact same quality images if we had a professional photographer there. Um, and it's just beautiful. It is a nice looking lake bed uh, from from the Vera Rubin Ridge as um, as Curiosity. Basically, you know, takes takes a little bit of time for uh, to 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 go to the what do they call it the overlook um, when you're when you're driving along the highway. So it stopped that it's overlooked to take a nice pretty picture. And also, you can see um, in this uh, video where the Curiosity rover landed and also track some of its some of its uh, five year journey across the surface of Mars. That's pretty cool. I'm looking at the picture now. It's really beautiful. So we'll put that up on the Patreon where you can also listen to the podcast we're about to record called This Week in Ryan's. It's our incredibly stupid (laughs) podcast that we make for people who subscribe to the Patreon. Thank you to everybody uh, who does that and and helps us out with the shows that we make at Complexly Crash Course SciShow and the rest of them. And thanks to all of you for listening. Hank, what did we learn today? Oh, my goodness, John. (laughs) What what didn't we learn? (laughs) Um, John, today we learned a number of embarrassing stories about you and I going to prom. That's true. We also learned that Hank likes to watch Canadian Ant Colony YouTube. And we learned that John Green probably wouldn't mind if you just started calling him shrimp. And lastly, we learned that Sam and Michael's new Wi-Fi password is an absolutely remarkable thing, 925-2018. (laughs) Good. Seeding, see, it's it's a guerrilla marketing campaign, John. It's Super really guerrilla. It's only people's passwords. You literally can't and should not share them. <laughs> it's so underground, you can't share it. <laughs> Thank you uh, for potting with me, Hank. Thanks to everybody for listening. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins, who had a lot of work to do with today's podcast. We recorded <laughs> it, and it was an hour long, and it's shorter than that now, so we're sorry, Nick. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. The music that you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is from the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to, to be, be awesome. awesome.